Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. On May 16th last year, nearly 20,000 North Carolina teachers descended on Raleigh for a march and rally outside the North Carolina General Assembly, asking for more support for public schools and respect for the teaching profession. Teachers are planning another rally on May 1 this year, asking the General Assembly to fully fund public education. This week, we're joined by Mark Jewell, president of the North Carolina Association of Educators that organized these marches to discuss what teachers hope to accomplish this year. Then we're going to be joined by two leading journalists to talk about the march, education policy, state budget, and much more. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Could we be ready to see a replay of the power struggle between State Superintendent Mark Johnson and the State Board of Education? A bill introduced last week in the North Carolina House, House Bill 639, would transfer more power to the superintendent from the board. This bill enables the superintendent to establish his own general counsel division within DPI that would provide legal services on an as-needed basis to support the state board. The bill eliminates two key positions that currently support them, the Legislative and Community Affairs Director, a position held currently by Cecilia Holden, and the state's board staff attorney position held by Eric Snyder. The state's Charter Advisory Board last week recommended the approval of a new 2,000-seat charter school in Wake County that would be run by a Charter One, a large for-profit charter management company led by Arizona businessman Glenn Way. Way has made millions of dollars building, selling, and leasing properties to the charter schools he runs. Here in North Carolina, taxpayer-funded management fees paid to Way's company would be up to $3 million annually. Finally, a big congratulations to, the, to Moore County Elementary School teacher Mariah Morris, who was named the 2019 Burroughs Welcome Fund North Carolina Teacher of the Year. Morris is an original North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program alum from UNC Chapel Hill and wants to focus on making STEM education more accessible to underserved students. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, North Carolina teachers are planning another march and rally in two weeks right here in the state capitol and the head of the state's largest teacher group, NCAE, that is organizing the march is with us today. Mark Jewell, yes. President, welcome back to Education Matters. It is great to be here, Keith, and thank you for always reaching out to NCAE. It's Absolutely. an honor to be here. All right, well, first on a personal... Happy birthday. I, I think know. you celebrated a birthday uh, this week, yes. so we're just getting younger and better. We everywhere. are, we are, we are. It's good to be here. <laughs> All right, well, Mark, let me, uh, let's jump right in. Last year, um, teachers marched in record numbers in Raleigh. I mean, not just on the issue of, of pay, but really more to highlight the fact that our classrooms were uh, under-resourced. Uh, I guess, first of all, has anything changed from last year yeah. to this year in terms of uh, you know, sort of investments that you were looking for at you and, and the teachers that came? Right, right. Well, first of all, we want to make sure that folks know that this is just more than a teacher rally. We are making sure that our cafeteria workers, our bus drivers, our lowest paid workers out there are joining with us, our community members, our parents, um, uh, anyone who supports public education. And we have seen some changes since last year on May 16th. You know, obviously, May 16th was about really making sure that we uh, 
found and elected uh, public education policy makers on November the 6th. And we did that. We were able to, to uh, change some of the faces out there that had been putting forth bad policy. So we changed some policy makers. So now, as we move forward into this uh, general session, we need to change some policy. So uh, this is why we're coming forth with a uh, May 1 day of action. Uh, again, we have uh, great support from our school districts out there. We expect another big turnout. And we have five key priorities, that, you know, obviously, that most folks are well yeah, aware yeah, of Yeah, let's now. talk about those. I want to talk about your priorities and then I do want to get back to the issue of, uh, of changing uh, um, uh, officials because I mm -hmm. think that has uh, at least been one of the uh, flashpoints uh, right, uh, sure. among us. So let's talk sure. about first, let's talk about what the sort of why teachers are coming. Yes, we're coming here obviously because you can't talk about May 1st or May 16th last year without talking about what happened in the summer of 2013 when we had major cuts to public education. Basically, Senator out, uh, we had corporate tax breaks and, and tax breaks from uh, for millionaires that cost the districts about $3 billion a year in uh, public school funding. So uh, it has taken its toll over those six years. You know, this is a reason that, uh, you know, we don't haven't had a textbook adoption in 15 years. There's a reason that we have a huge teacher shortage uh, in North Carolina. There's a reason that we don't have school nurses and uh, social workers now. Uh, there's a f huge funding issue. Uh, we need to make sure that that is a priority going forward. And now we have Republicans and Democrats actually talking about these issues, about working together to make sure that we can have investments in our public schools. Well, let me, you, let me, you, you mentioned Republicans and Democrats both talking about it. Um, um, since this was announced, uh, that the new rally in, on May the 1st, there's been some criticism. Um, um, you know, Senator Phil Berger has been very vocal, and in the last couple of weeks there's been uh, charges that NCA is just, this is just elect Democrats. This is a partisan um, ploy using teachers as pawns to get Republicans out of office. What's, yeah. what's your response you know, to that? I always tell people when I hear those type, that type of rhetoric, I said, listen, public education is supposed to be nonpartisan. Democrats and Republicans, Republicans alike know that strong schools are good for the community. This is not a Democratic march. It is not a Republican march. It's a march for North Carolina. It's a no march for North Carolina's future. Uh, last year when we had 30,000 folks show up, those were Democrats and Republicans and unaffiliated. Those were pro-business. Those were pro-government. They were community supporters, and they do not like what's happened to North Carolina public education over the past six years. Right. Let me ask you, one of the things that um, I think some people were surprised when they read uh, sort of your list, uh, your list of priorities for this march was the expansion of Medicaid. Right. right. Why, did, why does a teacher's organization or why would teachers yeah. make um, expanding Medicaid a priority? Yes, the Medicaid was actually a piece of our component last year. Uh, we wanted to elevate it this year because we can't teach kids when they're coming to school sick. Uh, we have about 25% of our population is in extreme poverty. Uh, we know that when kids come and they're unhealthy, they don't get health insurance and their parents are sick, that affects their learning. Uh, you know, and this is something that Republican states have already done. It's bringing uh, dollars and resources into North Carolina public schools. Right now we're sending them to the other states so that they can have health care, and it's a moral issue for us. What well, well, you mentioned, I mean, this is connected to sort of health care. You mentioned um, part of the funding for public schools does go to go fund um, nurses and counselors and psychiatrists. We've talked about this on the show before, but you hear it from teachers. I mean, what, are, what does it look like out in the uh, across yes. the state? Yes. Uh, well, you know, real quickly, we're 50th in the nation in how we fund our uh, social and emotional health of our students uh, right now. When I talk to school nurses, they're telling me market's getting really scary out there. Uh, the chronic illnesses that kids are coming with now, and there's no uh, medical support there. 
teachers are rising up and doing the best they can, uh, but it's a crisis and a disaster that's waiting to happen if we don't address and have funding for our school nurses, our psychologists, our social workers, and counselors. Uh, another um, another uh, priority, and has also been you know a lot of debate. Also seems to be something that you're also seeing Republicans some at least support is the restoration of. Um, uh, pay for achieving a master's degree. Okay. Uh, teachers you know, up until just a few years ago were, you know, got a, a pay bump if, yeah. they, if they had achieved a master's degree and that was, uh, that was eliminated. Why do you think that's important? Yeah, well, it's one of the reasons that brought me here back in 1997 because of that addition of the salary supplement for master's degree pay. Most states pay for it. 33 states require it as part of keeping their licensure. It's a, a huge recruitment tool. And right now, folks are, are going to our border states, to South Carolina and Georgia and Tennessee, because they can uh, go to those states and get a, you know, at least a 10% increase because they're being rewarded for their professional development at a high-quality college and university. It needs to be put back. We hear Republicans putting forth bills, working with Democrats, and it's a huge recruitment tool. We have about 1,500 positions that remain vacant all year. So we have got to make sure that we invest in educator and educator pay. Right. Um, I mentioned the criticism. The other one, the other thing that has been criticized besides sort of the partisan nature, mm -hmm. I've heard this from State Superintendent Johnson. We've certainly heard it from uh, 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 Senate leadership, is that this is really going to be an inconvenience for parents because it's an, an unplanned. A lot of schools, we're now what? How many districts have announced uh, closures? Yes, as of last night, we have 13 districts. It's probably around 40% of our student population right now. We uh, championed those school districts that stood up and said, listen, let's trade this for an optional day. Uh, we realize it may be a day of disruption, but our schools have been disrupted by the policies of 2013. Right. Our schools are starving, and they have taken their toll on our children. So you're, as far as the idea of it being like, this is worth, so I guess you're saying, it's a disruption, it, is. it could be inconvenient, but from your perspective, it's, it's, it's necessary. Right, big change has happened through disruption in America, and uh, we believe that it is our right to stand up and advocate on behalf of our students, and uh, we make no apologies for that coming on a Saturday would uh, do no good. The General Assembly sets their schedule. Uh, coming at the end of the session when decisions are already made would be no good. We are at uh, critical mass right now and we have to address resources for our students. Right, all right, let me, uh, yeah, one of the other, I mean, it does seem like I mean, there was a, there was some of the same uh, criticisms were leveled last year for the march. Um, there's been some unusual ones, maybe some different ones. I think we, I think we have an image. Where's your? Uh, we've got a logo that uh, that you've set for your May the first. I think we can pull that up on the screen, uh, of the uh, of a raised fist. Uh, suggestions that it was that it's some kind of Marxist communist plot. I mean. I, I have to ask, I mean, sort of what was your reaction when you first right. heard that somehow um, that this was, this was we'll, a... Yeah, what we'll say for that is that it's, that is deeply offensive. NCAE has had decades of being a social justice and civil rights organization, and uh, that symbol and the, and the raised fist has always shown unity and solidarity uh, for all folks, and those type of scare tasks tactics have been used in the past to, put it, to, to try to squelch movements of progress. So we stand proudly for our students right. and our, our educators. All right, last question for you. May 1st gets here, you have a turnout. What do you hope to accomplish? 
Uh, Last or what, like what will be your sort right, of Right, you know, we would like to see those five demands that we put out there, Matt. We believe that it can be done, and many of it low cost, at uh, no cost when you talk about uh, taking away the health insurance uh, for, uh, for new teachers coming in once they retire. We talk about uh, Medicaid expansion that's actually going to be breaking it, bringing in dollars. Master's degree pay is not a huge tax on the budget. And uh, the fight for 15 for our lowest paid employees, that was done last year for the other state employees. It needs to be done now for our public school employees. They have the resources, they can do it. When we're sending $150 million uh, over a 10-year plan to private voucher schools that are unaccountable. Right. Mark, always a pleasure to have you on. We'll come to, I, I think we'll probably bring our cameras down again um, and talk to some of the teachers. So We uh, hope to see you there. It's going to be a great day for public great. education. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. After a brief commercial break, we're going to be back to talk with two leading journalists to discuss the plan March and more. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. True or false, by state law, all charter school teachers must be licensed and certified to teach in North Carolina. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome, welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer false? Current state law only requires that 50% of charter school teachers to be licensed in North Carolina. We're going to continue our discussion about the teacher march and other education news happenings with two of the best reporters in the business. We have Kelly Hinchcliffe, she is the education reporter for WREL News, and Jeff Tiberi, who is the Capitol Bureau Chief for WUNC Radio. So thank you both for coming back on the show. It's always good to see you. Thanks for having us. All right. Um, well, obviously, I want to talk a little bit about first about the teacher march. Um, uh, Kelly, that's been, you've covered it. You've covered some of the reaction. I guess just sort of give me your, um, um, you were here last year, too, for the right. march. Sort of give me a little bit of take on, um, you know, on some of the rhetoric and the issues and sort of what's the same, what's changed. I can tell you the number one question I get about the march this year is, will it be bigger than last year? And of course, we don't know yet. But one of the things that we can compare are the number of school districts that are closing. We know last year, 42 out of the state's 115 school districts closed. Um, so far, we have more than a dozen that have closed. But there's still um, time. A lot can change. Some school districts last year decided to close closer to the actual date of the march or the rally. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But the rhetoric has certainly ramped up this year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Jeff, you're down at the legislature a lot. Is the um I don't know, is the, is, the, is the tenor, the tone different about the, I mean, I don't know, from my, just from my own just observation, it seems mm -hmm. a little more pointed, but maybe not. In terms of the rhetoric? Yeah. I, I think the rhetoric is, is certainly more pointed. As I'm, we've seen in a number of the addresses from, from Phil Berger's office, from the press releases, I mean, they have framed the NCAE as a, a left-wing organization. I think they're trying to discredit them before this event even takes place, right? Um, it's not an election year, so I, I wonder how, if at all, that will factor into this. 
Uh, as Kelly mentioned, um, we have a number of school closings, not as many yet as last year, but some of the biggest districts in the state. And I also do wonder about the, the role that Reverend William Barber may or may not play in this. He is now going to be permitted to be back in the building. Um, he's uh, been involved in, in a number of protests, and he has, he's been banned from the building for a while, but that ban uh, just recently this week was, was lifted. He tends to attract bigger crowds. Right. Uh, so what role does he play here? Uh, and I guess hopefully not too uh, voyeuristically, but I'm wondering if we're going to see arrests this year. Um, full disclosure, I was on paternity leave last year, and I was not at the, okay. the at the rally, but I don't believe there were any arrests. Um, so I'm interested to see if, I mean, to your question about tone and tenor, um, if on May 1st there is a different tone or tenor, either in full or, or in part. Right. Well, Kelly, the, the issues that, that Mark uh, Jewell just talked about, I mean, uh, some of these are uh, similar. I mean, and there's some action around, uh, in fact, I think, I mean, like, for example, Medicaid expansion. I mean, there was just a press conference, and Jeff can weigh in on this too. I mean, there was literally just a press conference, Republican press conference. Don't call it Medicaid expansion, but that's really what it was, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I tell you what, it's been interesting seeing from the different sides who have been talking about this rally. We've even seen from the state superintendent, Mark Johnson, who has come out, um, you know, pretty forcefully this year and basically he's pleading with teachers not to go to this rally. He's especially concerned when you look at schools that were affected by the hurricane and how much school those um, students lost. And he's saying that you need to keep kids in school. So it's been interesting to kind of see how people have been responding to this. All right. Well, let me ask you, though, this is obviously connected to uh, um, funding. I mean, this is mm -hmm. certainly part of, of course, it. I mean, yeah. it's a big part of it. Salaries, school resources. We are maybe two, three weeks away from the House uh -huh. unveiling a budget. You've been following this for years, how this whole process works. So they'll, they'll unveil those first. So I guess first, when it, what do you think this is sort of what, that, what is that going to look like? And then I did want to um, ask you, as I mentioned before we started taping this, some things have changed sure. about what happens, yep. whether this budget gets yeah. vetoed or not. So to me, one of the interesting dynamics, potentially for the very day of, of May 1st, is going to be the inside-outside dynamic. Uh, and I think that it is quite possible you're going to have thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of, of educators and education supporters outside the building, some inside the building. And we might also be at a key moment in uh, House budget deliberations. It might be before uh, the, the, the full House Appropriations Committee that day. The, the House budget could be on the floor that day. So that's kind of an interesting Right. The Speaker uh, Moore has moment. said, I mean, they've said the end of April, right? right. Early May at the latest. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. And, and so it could be that day. I mean, and that would that would make for uh, some interesting challenges sure. for, for us reporters in terms of how do you how do you cover both of those? How do you uh, weave those two together? Because, uh, of course, inherently they are connected. Um, so I'm, 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 I guess I'm looking for the timing of that on, on the House budget side. Uh, and in terms of the, the, the change that's in place in 2019 in relation to, to recent years, uh, if lawmakers do not reach a budget deal by July 1st, uh, there is a state law, a relatively new, last couple of years state law that has been enacted so that if there's no budget, the previous spending levels merely continue, simply continue. So, so, the, so because that's something that I've been hearing people saying, well, the governor, there's, there's, no, there's, a, there's no supermajority. The governor can veto the budgets that they'll have to work together. What I'm hearing is that they, no. I mean, actually, the governor could veto it. They could not reach a deal, and they'll, it will just revert back to last year's, almost like a, in D.C. terms, like mm -hmm. a continuing resolution. Right, just, but they, they don't even have to pass the continuing yeah, resolution. Yeah, it just, it just happens. And this might be a little bit extreme, but to take it to the, uh, the other end of it, they don't have to pass a budget for a year 
or two years. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. We're going to have some sort of stalemate. Right. We saw this in 2015. Well, the when Republicans there was a have Republican priorities, too, that they yeah. want to get in there. So it's probably not. But, but it is right. something I think is interesting to, right. to watch. Right. All right, Kelly, I want to get to you. Um, you, were, um, you were a central figure in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, I thought. Uh, Superintendent Mark Johnson rolled out a proposal, um, which I think initially people thought was. Well, it's a, for $400 for teachers to buy supplies for their own classroom. But it kind of became a little more controversial when the, uh, the last year's North Carolina Teacher of the Year was advertised and then wasn't there. So tell me a little bit about that. So we went to the press conference and uh, it was advertised, as you mentioned, that the Teacher of the Year, Lisa Godwin, would be there and she was noticeably absent. And so I asked the superintendent, why is she not here? And, you know, do you think that she supports this? This, you know, what you guys are presenting. And um, he was under the impression that she did support it. And when I spoke with her later, she basically said that she would have supported it if she felt like this was money above and beyond. Um, but, you know, she understood this to be a reallocation of money. Basically, the, the plan is to give teachers, every teacher, $400 so they can buy school supplies instead of routing that money through the boards of education to decide. Right. So, what are you? Um, what else are you chasing right now? Um, you mentioned something about the, some changes with uh, substitute teachers. Yeah, we uh, interesting story about substitute teachers in, in North Carolina. I learned something new that they are not regulated at all by the state. Um, that each local school district has the ability to decide what uh, how they want to hire them, what certifications or not certifications, but what um, think of the word the credentials. Thank whatever you. What credentials they would have. And um, part of doing that reporting, I found out that Wake County, in Wake County, you did not have to have a high school diploma. So in essence, you could be teaching, substitute teaching students who have, may have more education than you do. And so we reported that story, and Wake County has since said that they're going to add that back in. Beginning next school year, they will have to, substitutes will have to have a high school diploma. Well, I want to wrap up with you, Jeff. What, uh, I guess, same question. What are you chasing? What are you watching for? Like, like what, any uh, markers in, like, the budget or uh, certain bills? The big one, of course, is, is how much additional money is set aside for teacher, teachers and salaries. And I think one of the, uh, the, the, the points of rhetoric we've heard uh, frequently from education supporters is that pre-recession uh, spending levels, uh, we're not back up to pre-recession spending levels when adjusted for inflation. So is that, I mean, it's a little wonky, right? But is that something that's going to be uh, achieved later this year? Right. Um, any other uh, sort of any other hot votes coming up? Um, you know, a couple of things came up around uh, sort of virtual preschool yesterday, but uh, anything else? I'm interested to see what happens with, with broadband uh, in rural counties. I mean, I think that's uh, on the periphery to an extent, but that, that is a, a pretty important issue for, for K-12 and learning, I think. Great. Well, look, thank you both for being here. We'll, we'll have you back on. Maybe we'll have to, after the march and sort of after the budgets, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk more about some of these issues. But thank you for what you do and for keeping us informed and for coming on the show. So Good thanks so much, both. Thank you. After the break, this week's final word. The rhetoric around the Plan May 1 teacher rally, as we talked about on the show, has escalated quickly. Republican Senate leader Phil Berger slammed NCAE as a far-left group that doesn't care about helping teachers, 
Conservative groups such as Civitas went further, asking whether the march has Marxist roots and that May the 1st was selected since it's a known communist holiday. Now, come on, people. I mean, State Superintendent Mark Johnson, for his part, has mostly focused on the disruption for parents and loss of instructional time, suggesting teachers pick another day when school is already out. An extra day off can certainly mean some inconvenience for some parents and lost hours for students. But from where I sit, students are losing a lot more than just one day of instruction when our state chooses to disinvest in their classrooms every day. And protests, you know, are supposed to disrupt and get attention. That's why we see them at major sporting events. It's why the lunch counter protests happen during lunch and not after hours or they wouldn't inconvenience anyone. I mean, protests really are as old as America itself. The teachers I met last year when we took our cameras to the rally were visibly upset when they told story after story about how they were not able to provide everything their students needed due to lack of resources. Now, they didn't seem like Marxists to me. What they seemed like were teachers who cared and they deserved to be heard. Now that's it for this week's show. Now next week is our special 100th episode of Education Matters. We're gonna be recording it, a very show, special show here in front of a studio audience. We have a great lineup of guests. We're gonna talk about some pretty serious um, stuff about how we keep our children safe, a frank and informative discussion about issues such as increased mental illness, and anxiety, peer pressure, mental health, self-harm, and unfortunately, suicide. You will not want to miss it. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.